This is Gramercy, the podcast that highlights the stories of those who live and work on the margins of society. I'm your host, Corey Millat. Thank you for coming on this journey with me. Welcome to Season 1. This season highlights the stories of immigrants and refugees from all around the world, as well as some organizations that work with and for these beautiful people. You may have heard of my guest today. Actually, you may have heard of his company, but not necessarily his name. He is Mohammed Malim, a recent graduate of St. Thomas University in Minneapolis, Minnesota, as well as the founder of Epimonia and my conversation partner for today. His story starts with his parents' story, as so many of ours do. Over a million Somalis have lost their homes or been forced to flee because of decades-long civil war. Many flee to neighboring countries such as Ethiopia, Djibouti, Yemen, and Kenya. The Dadaab refugee camp in Kenya is where Mohammed's family fled to and where he was born 24 years ago. It is the world's largest refugee complex. As of January 2020, the UN estimates 217,532 Somali refugees and asylum seekers are living among its five camps. This is not a healthy place to birth a child, yet children make up 58% of the camp. According to the UN website, Africa Renewal, Dadaab is described as being originally built only as a temporary haven for around 90,000 refugees who were fleeing clan infighting in 1991. It is now a sprawling complex of five tent camps that even house makeshift movie theaters and soccer leagues. It is counted as the third largest city in Kenya, after Nairobi and Mombasa. Technically, the camps are overseen by the UNHCR, but practically, it is pretty self-reliant and is run democratically by elected community volunteers. This is the backdrop of Mohammed's story. It's so nice to finally meet you. Absolutely nice to meet you as well. Thank you for taking time out. Really appreciate it. So I'm originally from um, Kenya. Uh, my parents are from Somalia. Um, during the 1990s, uh, when the Civil War broke out in Somalia, we fled uh, from Somalia and we was on our way to Kenya. And that's where I was born, in a refugee camp uh, called um, Dadaab. Um, at that time, it was me, uh, my mom, my dad, and my little brother, who was uh, who is a year younger than me, and a year after he was born, roughly around three years. And um, and thankfully, you know, um, uh, the nonprofit called UNHCR provided us a lottery where we, you know, uh, came to the U.S. You know, um, and you, we didn't choose to uh, come to the U.S. You know, it was you know it was a lottery. You know, mm-hmm. every refugee in that camp, you know, goes, you know, based on the lottery. Mm-hmm. I have my family from my uh, dad's side um, went to Europe and my mom's side uh, family um, came to the U.S. and we first landed in Texas. I was roughly around four years old. So I don't recall, you know, the memories, but I do remember a glimpse of, you know, uh, me on the plane, you know, on mm-hmm. the way to uh, Texas. Mm-hmm. And it was a very interesting, you know, um, um, for my parents in perspective, you know, where they didn't know any English, you know, um, it was their first time flying, you know, in a yeah. plane and, you know, just seeing big buildings, especially in Houston. And it was kind of tough, especially when we first came to Texas because 
um, my dad couldn't find a job, you know, and mm-hmm. that year, you know, we were just uh, scrambling to find a job, and thankfully, he found a job, and he um, worked as a janitor, you know, at a local uh, hotel. Mm-hmm. Working 12 hour shifts. My mom tells me stories of how, uh, you know, uh, he couldn't see us because, you know, clocks out at 12 a.m. Uh, literally. It sounds like a lot of your family um, was yep. able to leave Somalia, your dad's side and your mom's side. So, do you have any family left in Somalia or in the refugee camp in Kenya? Well, thankfully, we don't have any families in the refugee camp. Good. Uh, we use family members. Uh, in uh, Somalia, but, but I do have a couple of my aunts who live in Kenya right now. Mm-hmm. You know, my aunts who were in that refugee camp a later stayed, and then they relocated to a different city in Kenya, basically. Okay, okay. So, I've heard um, in the past that Kenyans weren't exactly thrilled to have a lot of Somalis there. Is, what is, is there any tension between the uh, Somalis and Kenyans, or have they gotten, they started to get along better? Ah, uh, to be honest, you know, they get along better, but when a country gets bombed, especially in Somalia, and tortured, you know, and people are fleeing from their country and going to a new country, mm-hmm. uh, people, you know, uh, from Kenya inside, people react different, you know, it's the fear of, you know, uh, who's coming to their country, you know, whatnot. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I understand that fact, but, you know, they're literally neighbors, you know. It was kind of um, an interesting um shift but you know thankfully now things are getting better and now there's a lot of Somalis in Kenya you know um, just mm-hmm. you know having a lot of businesses over there you know just integrating the culture mm-hmm. and whatnot yes yeah, it's, it's you know it's great I haven't been back yet but I plan on to future so well I'm yeah. glad to hear that the cultures are kind of learning to integrate and That's work right. together and I mean we're learning that too in the United States aren't we That's right. <laughs> I know that uh, many Somalis are Muslim. Are you Muslim as well? Yes, I am Muslim. Okay. And how has that worked for you in the community that you are in, in Minneapolis? Are they pretty um, welcoming to Muslims? They are? Fantastic. So after living a year in Texas, we moved to uh, Minnesota, and there was a lot of Lutheran churches that were sponsoring a lot of refugees especially Minnesota, and um, there's, I think, I don't know if you know this, but Somali, the population is here in Minnesota, is huge. It's the second uh, biggest Somali part outside of this country, Somalia, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we have a very rich, vibrant community here. Um, we have uh, great uh, um, uh, uh, entrepreneurs, you know, business owners, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, as you know, as you may know, you know, we have Representative Ilhan Omar, mm-hmm. so... And I mean, Minnesota has been a great, you know, um, state for us, especially for not even Somalis, but for the Hmongs, um, yes. for you know, Syrians as well. So uh, it's very, you know, liberal state where, you know, they are very welcoming, you know, so. They are. My experience there, I taught at a school down on Lake Street and um, my, my students were 100% Somali and yeah. I was introduced to the Somali market over there and um, I did, I felt like I just stepped into another country when I walked into that Somali market. It was an excellent thing for me because I, all I heard was other languages and all I smelled were different foods. So I could get a feel for what it must feel like for a lot of the refugees coming. Right. 
And my students would often bring me sambusas just to yep. say thank you. And I fell in love with sambusas. <laughs> They're so delicious. So I am quite familiar with the Somali community in Minneapolis, and I really love the Somali community. They're so welcoming. Absolutely, very welcoming, and especially for like newcomers, you know, for refugees, you know, uh, we have a support system here. You know, people uh, actually most refugees who come to Minnesota they don't struggle as much as other states because they have a support system and network that they can rely on. Our brothers or aunts or cousins that can get their feet up right 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 away. So it's it's great. Minnesota has been a great state for refugees, and um, I'm happy, you know, to say that you know it's. Uh, it's a great state, uh, you know, and yeah, I'm planning on living here for uh, probably most of my time, most of my life. I wanted to take a minute to give you a few statistics of the Somali diaspora that Muhammad has just described. Minneapolis is home to the largest group of Somalis living in the United States. Minnesota is attractive to many Somalis because it's a good place to find a job, raise a family, and live in a supportive community, as Muhammad has just explained. According to an article in the Star Tribune in June 2019, 52,333 people living in the Twin Cities in Minnesota claim Somali heritage. Somalia is one of five countries that together produce two-thirds of the world's refugees, according to the UN. Sadly, the Pew Research Center cites the number of Somali-born people living outside of their homeland has doubled to 2 million between 1990 and 2015. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Immigrant and Refugee Center of Northern Colorado, making Northern Colorado a home for all who live here. Whatever circumstances brought you to Northern Colorado, we are so glad you're here now. IRC NOCO is here to help you find your way. We want to be the doorway through which cross-cultural sharing and experiences occur. Whether you are new to this area or you are a part of the receiving community, we want to be your resource for information and services related to moving our community forward together. Through information sharing, dialogue, and events where we can all come together as one, we are investing into our shared prosperity. Empower, connect, advocate. Learn more at www.ircnoco.org. Mohammed started a company two and a half years ago called Epimonia. I actually came across his company through an ad on Instagram. I was immediately smitten with the idea. He helps an NGO in Greece by buying the old, discarded life jackets that refugees used during their life-threatening journey on the ill-equipped sailing vessels that cross the Mediterranean. I'm sure you've seen those pictures in the news of the mountains of life vests discarded on the coast of Lesbos. These are what he recycles into attractively crafted bracelets in a factory employed by refugees. It's a beautifully compassionate business model. Are so, you married yet? Do you have a family? Well, I'm, I'm 24 years old. Um, I graduated from college, uh, University of Thomas, about two years ago. And um, yeah, I mean, I've been doing this, uh, my company, you know, for roughly around two years and a half, and it's been going well. So, uh, Can you explain uh, to us how you came up with the idea for your company? Absolutely. So uh, this was during my senior year at the University of St. Thomas. Um, it was through a business competition, you know. 
with everything that was going on in, back in 2018, uh, 2017, with the whole, um, you know, uh, refugees uh, in the media and how, how refugees are being portrayed in the media was very difficult, especially with our uh, current administration, mm -hmm. um, how he was um, backlashing, you know, and providing negative rhetoric towards refugees and bringing a lot of, uh, you know, divide, hate towards each other. You know, that was my goal change that narrative why we don't hear a lot of success stories of refugees you know and we uh we always hear uh negative uh um negative stuff that is being portrayed on refugees and that's not true you know those uh rhetorics are false so my goal was to that narrative and share successful stories around our community you know you know how there we have a lot of uh refugees entrepreneurs you know business uh, owners you know uh politicians and we don't hear those kind of stories and that was my inspiration behind it you know um and that's why i started epimonia where it's a fashion brand a company that supports refugees here using recycled life jackets that refugees have worn and we turn those life jackets into bracelets you know to create awareness of the refugee crisis and to provide job employment here uh, uh, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, so we can provide them an opportunity, you know, that they can support their families. And 50% of the profits are supporting uh, refugees, nonprofits across America, you know, through education, providing scholarships, uh, helping them pay for their citizenship applications, fee, and we do a lot of stuff, you know, uh, and it's been, it's been a great journey, so. That sounds so exciting. I am so thankful you had that idea. But my very first question would have been when I thought about getting the life jackets from Lesbos, would have been, who do I ask? Like, how did you know who to ask to get the life jackets? Right. That must so, have been hard. It's been very hard, you know. Uh, I've contacted over 50 NGOs, especially in Greece, you know, who can help me. And thankfully, there is one NGO, um, Refugees for Refugees, who said they're willing to provide life jackets as long as you provide uh support for us and absolutely you know wow um, and the, every month they ship a container of 50 live jackets to our manufacturer and yeah and we employ refugees locally and then we make them uh, beautiful bracelets so i just love the the chain the supply chain and yeah. it's helping 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 it's like it's just going in a complete circle indeed and it's i mean and i tell people you know epimonia is you know uh, it's a refugee company, you know, uh, the supply chains, you know, the manufacturer from nonprofit to the manufacturer, uh, you know, and providing support, giving back to refugees, you know, it's amazing. So it's a very humane business structure. It sounds like just very compassionate and from humanity to humanity, even though it's a business. I love that. I love how, uh, how you've modeled that market. Did you always want to work in activism or in helping refugees, or did this desire come along the later in life? That's a great question. For me, you know, when I was in college, you know, uh, I, all, all I wanted was to um, graduate, get a degree for my mom, you know, and be the first uh, uh, family member to obtain a college degree. That was my dreams, and that was her dreams, actually, you know. But things shifted during my junior year and senior year when, you know, when, uh, when our president, you know, um, became president, obviously back in 2016, mm -hmm. so it's the whole narrative and you know my perspective and just you know I've you know became you know socially aware of that what was going on and that was the journey of you know my activism. I guess you know, in high school I was a track and field athlete, you know, mm -hmm. um, ran a track and field in college, you know, throughout my whole college career. You know, you never know the unexpected. You know, that's the 
fascinating part in life and that's that's what i'm always grateful you know like you never know you never know the unexpected you know that changes your whole uh you know uh plans so yes but yeah um and since then i've been you know i've been enjoying it so i'm so glad to hear that were you working by yourself to get this uh company to get epimonia started or yep. were you working in tandem with like was it like a project for a class or you just had yep. this idea like i think this would be a great business model and were there any struggles along the way or did it just kind of all work out right away in the beginning you know it was a it was a business competition you know where i was participating and i wanted to use my personal story to you know change the refugee narrative you know and to make impact on refugees and you know in the beginning i had a few people um few of my friends who helped me start the business units you know, you know um especially at say times we had a lot of resources um for their students you know and um in the beginning you know um when we when we were selling our few uh when we were selling our bracelets, you know, it was not a lot. It was basically uh, mostly word of mouth. And mm -hmm. so after a few months, we've been featured on, on NPR. Uh, once on NPR, things picked up really fast, you know. And that was the beginning of uh, Epimonia and the growth. And, you know, and especially my entrepreneurship journey, you know. Um, and it was great, you know. And I had, had colleagues who helped me throughout the whole process. And, yeah, after a year... Um, we've we've managed to do good and but we had road bumps in the beginning because you know obviously when someone starts a business um uh, they're always seeking for capital you know mm -hmm. it was kind of hard in order for me to seek capital because in order for me to grow my company really fast um i have to uh, seek capital you know and that was the kind that was the struggle where i was facing uh uh, when I was starting Epimonia, you know, who would I uh, seek uh, capital? Who would believe in my vision or mission, you know, who, you know, and seeking investors or whatnot. But thankfully, you know, we had one investor who helped us uh, uh, invest in our mission and things really picked up and, you know, I'm grateful for her. Mm -hmm. um, it's been, it's been right now, it's been, it's been two years and a half and we're just growing. So I'm true. It only takes the one. I think that's yep. my takeaway from you. You contacted 50 NGOs and it only yep. took one. You contacted yep. all of these venture capitalists and it only yep. takes one, doesn't it? I know Minneapolis is quite a liberal area, um, yep. but sadly the counter to that is, well, that's where George Floyd incident happened too. So obviously there was some underlying tension there. Have you ever experienced racism or discrimination because of your religion or because of any reason? I mean, I have experienced discrimination and racism, you know, uh, living in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, you know, um, growing up, I went to an all-white suburban high school. Um, it was called Dinah High School. Um, I was the one of those few people of color who attended that high school. And there were certain uh, incidents, you know, that happened um, at Dinah High School, you know, which I don't want to talk about it, you know. Um, mm -hmm. but I can respect uh, that. You have to show empathy towards each other, you know, and, you know, just be more open-minded, you know, and, and, uh, and just learning from each other, you know, and, and respect your neighbors and love your neighbors. So, but for me, mm -hmm. I, I, the way how I deal with racism is, you know, I encounter with positive and, you know, just getting to know them, you know, and, you know, spread love. So you seem like an extremely optimistic person. Like, if yes. there is discrimination, if there is racism, if there is a sideways glance at you, you yep. just blow it off and just keep going on. 
need it. And, you know, that's what, you know, and for me, I'm very optimistic. I'm very uh, uh, positive person. You know, I see life in a different lens, you know, especially when you're coming from a, uh, uh, when you're coming from a country where it's, you know, all, you know, um, war and just, you know, and especially when you come from a place where you had nothing, you know, especially in a refugee camp. And I'm grateful, you know, uh, for those things because, you know, when, when I face uh, encountered, when I face any challenges, I remind myself where I came from. And, you know, mm -hmm. uh, those things I'm facing right now, you know, it's just minor, you know, compared to the life I was living in a refugee camp with my parents, you know, it's that perspective I have in life. I just move forward and, you know, I look for better days ahead of me. So. Yes, perspective is everything, yep. which makes me wonder, um, yep. the Jewish parents who lived through Auschwitz and all that they lived through during the Holocaust, a lot of them would tell stories to their children. Mm -hmm. Many of them would not. Um, did your parents living through such atrocities in Somalia ever pass down stories, or did they just parent you in a fashion that said, appreciate what you have now because it could have been a lot worse and that's what they say literally you know um you know we don't usually talk about those stories especially my mom when i ever ask her like what was it like living in a refugee camp what were you know moments where you faced you know different challenges we don't talk my parents don't want to tell me because you know it's you know it's just you know you know it's something that's very you know dear to their hearts and you know they don't want to bring that trauma to their kids and he you know, she, my parents, you know, you know, always, you know, remind me to be grateful, you know, uh, that you're in a country where you can, you know, chase your dreams, you know, and you can make something, you know, happen. And, you know, and, and that's, that's all they cared about, you know, providing their kids, you know, whatever they need to become successful. You know, they must you know, be so proud of you. They are absolutely proud. You know, I'm the oldest out of six siblings, you know, they, were so hard for and now seeing into fortition, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, I'm so glad to hear that. Um, and your parents are doing well now. They're established, have a wonderful community around them, have all their their kids, That's so they're right. happy. Okay, they're, I'm glad to hear that. They need. <laughs> they have everything they need. I'm so glad to hear that. Did your mom ever pass down any Somali proverbs or nope. wisdom to you nope. that you might like to share one? Um, do you speak? Do you still speak Somali? I do or understand Somali. it. I understand that I speak Somali, but not as fluent, you know. <laughs> yeah. But um, you know, my dad always so there's a, a really cool proverb that my dad tells me um when I was young, you know, he said, um in Somali it means uh So it means like your hand is gold, you know. So it's a very interesting perspective, you know, when when he says that it means like, you know, you can make anything out of your hand, you know, no matter how hard you work in life, you know, with your hands can lead you to places that you can never imagine, you know, so whether it's, you know, picking up a pen, you know, whether it's becoming, uh, uh, your hand is the, basically your hand is the way of life. So, you know, everything you do is with your hand, you know, you can become a successful entrepreneur with your hand, you can become a chef with your hand, you can become a, a pro athlete with your hand, you know, as long as you work hard, with your hands, the dreams is, you know, unlimited. So Proverbs are brilliant. Yeah. They're just brilliant because you're right that you can go in so many different directions, which is that one little phrase. 
That's right. Indeed. So I love that. Well, please thank your parents for me because I'm going to pass that on to my kids. I appreciate that. Is there anything else you would like to share now that you have a platform? Is there something you would like people to know about you, the Somali population in general, your company? I would love you to share whatever it is you'd like to share um, right now. When a refugee comes to a new country, you know, uh, they didn't choose to come here, you know, um, they had to um, because um, um, because of the war they faced back in home. You know, I tell people, I tell my, uh, you know, I tell my white friends, you know, you know, to meet other people who look different than you, you know, uh, grab a coffee, you know, uh, share stories with each other. And that's how you bring empathetic towards each other and love, you know, that's how you uh, build that, you know, trust and, you know, that hope, you know, of you know, getting to know each other and, you know, just go meet a stranger, you know, out there, you know, you know, if you have the fear of, uh, fear of meeting someone, you know, bring a friend along and, you know, just meet someone who looks different than you. You never know that might be your next best friend or friend, you know, and I always tell that to my, uh, 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 friends on that perspective. So, yeah. And are they open to your advice? They're open to my advice. (laughs) Good. Well, you've, Made it to the last three questions. Thank you for your time. Okay. My closing questions are one, what is your best tip for making the world a better place? Yeah, stay true to yourself, be kind and help others. You know, that's all I, you know, uh, told myself and I tell my friends, you know, no matter how much, you know, uh, no matter how far life takes you, don't never, you know, uh, forget where you came from, you know, so. Mm -hmm. That's the truth. You've got a good head on your shoulders, Mohammed. You're going to go far. Your children are going to be wise. You already have this wisdom at age 24. I can't (laughs) wait to see what the world holds for you. Okay. Your second question is what are you most thankful for? I'm most thankful for, uh, for my family, you know, um, especially for my parents, you know, you know, as they getting older, you know, uh, I'm I'm just extremely proud, you know, for that. Like I've I've been spending a lot of time to them, you know, and just providing and just providing for my family as well, you know, for my parents, you know, um, it's it's been an extremely blessing. But you know, mm-hmm. for my family and my friends, you know, and just in general life, you know, mm-hmm, for sure. What is your favorite quote? Mm. So one of my favorite quotes is by uh, Malcolm X. Uh, is he says the future belongs to those who prepare today. So mm-hmm. that's my favorite activism. You know, um, he's mm-hmm. he provides a different perspective how you can take uh, life. You know, so yes. But, well, Muhammad, you've been a wonderful guest. I really appreciate your time. I know you're busy, but thank you for taking your time to tell us your story, to share your company with us. And thank you for everything you are doing for the refugees. Thank you so much. And thank you, you know, for sharing these kind of stories. We need uh, people like you, you know, to shed positive light on our refugees. Mohammed refuses to be a victim of his circumstances. From Mohammed, I learned that each person experiences and processes racism, xenophobia, or discrimination differently. When he experiences discrimination, he most often chooses to ignore it and love anyways. Wow, what an incredible choice. I've talked to several people like him and each time I am amazed at how they can look discrimination in the face, turn around and walk away. What strength. 
of mind, character, spirit, and will. He is resilient, actively seeking ways to help his family, community, and all refugees. Starting a company that employs, assists, and donates to refugees and refugee aid workers at the tender age of 24 is nothing short of impressive. He is living his best life and it shows. If you're interested in purchasing an Epimonia bracelet or learning more about what he does, check out Muhammad's website at epimonia.com. That's E-P-I-M-O-N-I-A dot com. One last interesting tidbit. Did you know that Epimonia is Greek for persistence? I think that's genius. I am reminded of the quote from the American poet, Asia Monet. May your hands be an extension of your heart, and may you do the work of love with them. That's what I was thinking when Mohammed shared the proverb from his father. May we all choose to use our hands for good, as Mohammed has. Thank you for listening to Gramercy. Remember, there is no them, just us. See you down the road.